Hi, everyone. Sam here. Popping in with a little bonus episode for you this week on top of our regular episode. So if you, like me and millions of other people, have seen The Last of Us, you might have some questions about the possibility of fungus zombies, and maybe fungi in general. And if you're listening to this episode when it drops, what better time to tune in than 48 hours before the finale of The Last of Us Season 1? So, fungi. They're eukaryotic organisms that can be microscopic, like yeasts and molds, but they can also be things like mushrooms. For this bonus episode, we called up Chilean-British-Italian field mycologist Giuliana Furci. A mycologist is someone who studies fungi, and in Giuliana's case, she's been studying them since 1999. She's the founder and CEO of the Fungi Foundation, the first NGO in the world dedicated to the protection of fungi. Juliana is also a Harvard University associate, National Geographic explorer, and she's written a whole lot about fungi. And the place where I actually first spotted her was a couple weeks ago when I was watching Fantastic Fungi on Netflix. I had a lot of fun chatting with Juliana about The Last of Us, how much is fact versus fiction, as well as some of the very cool, complex stuff that fungi can do. So without further delay... Let's hop into that conversation. I would love to start off by hearing a bit about your work. What led you to fungi? And should I call them fungi, fungi? Fun- <laughs> like, how do you pronounce it? <laughs> oh, so different people from different part of English-speaking countries say the word fungi, 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 and they're <laughs> all valid. I switch between them, okay. depending on who I'm talking to. Really what led me to dedicate my life to them, I think, was the sensation of injustice to mm. the fact that nobody else was doing that in Chile or very prominently in the world in terms of conservation. So I was interested in them took a look around to see what I could find. There was hardly anything out there and thought, I have to do something about this. And that was really where it was born. Yeah. And so actually, this perfectly segues into my next question, which is fungi, fungi are not Mm -hmm. plants. They're not animals. They're not bacteria. They sometimes feel like the forgotten kingdom. So what are they exactly? Well, you know, they're neither plants nor animals. And the basis for saying that is because they have a totally different cell and they have a cell wall that's different from the ones that plants have and they don't have a cell membrane like animals have and they obtain their energy in a different way but i don't know if forgotten is the right word they haven't been recognized or acknowledged as much as they deserve and we have been speaking with obsolete language for a very long time so referring to macroscopic life on earth as just plants and animals um without mentioning the fungi is is a mistake. And so that's why we've been pushing a lot of institutions and countries and people to speak with mycologically inclusive language around the world. Yeah. And well, we're going to talk about some of the importance and very cool things that fungi do. But first, I'll ask how many species of fungi do scientists think exist? So there's consensus among mycologists that we don't know more than five to 10% of fungal diversity out there. The number of species is, you know, 
estimated in different ways by different people, but more or less about 5 million species, would I wow. would say, is an average of which we know uh, maybe 5% a bit more. Wow. And so are there a couple that you particularly like or like working with? You know, I, I frequently get asked what my favorite fungus is, and my answer is very honest, and it would be whichever one I'm looking at or holding at a given moment. Yeah, there are, there are different cool species. I really like earth stars. I love entomopathogenic fungi, like cordyceps species or osteocordyceps. And I really love puffballs, giant puffballs. Hmm. What are those? The giant puffball. It looks like a big football and um, they grow on grasslands in different parts of the world. And they're edible when they're young, when they mature, the spores are medicinal. And then when they get old and have sporulated, the sterile base on which they've been held is a is, is a tinder fungus so you have one species that can feed you heal you and you can start fire with and i just find that giant puffballs extraordinary that's so cool i did not know about those i need to go look up a picture after this all right so now i want to hop into some questions that are related to the last of us because it seems like people are very very intrigued i'm including myself in that by fungi right now so a question that I'd really love to ask all mycologists is, have you watched The Last of Us or played the game? And if so, what do you generally think? Do you like it? You can't stand it? <laughs> so yes, I've seen it. I think it's great fiction. I love that the actor is from Chile. And I mean, I can't stress enough how fictional it is. I mean, there's okay. no chance that that's going to happen. It's never happened before. We never know with nature. but. And also, I think that the thing that really it triggers me, I keep on thinking about all the animal parasites that we live with and how much more creepy they are. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to ask you a few more questions related to some of the things you just said um, in a second. But let's talk a little bit about the fungus in The Last of Us. So in the series, the fungus that takes over people's bodies is Ophiocordyceps unilateralis, which is also referred to as cordyceps or zombie ant fungus. Uh -huh. Because in insects like ants, it can infect and take over, changing the insect's behavior, ultimately killing it and growing out of its body. So why do you think that fungus has evolved to do that? With ants. Yeah, with ants. Not with people, with ants. <laughs> Um, well, the fungus has evolved to do it to ensure its survival. The fungus has devised these evolutionary traits to ensure that they can feed and reproduce and keep on living. Fungi have this incredible characteristic that they're very specific to their substrates. And so, you know, a fungus that grows on the back legs of a cockroach might not grow on the head of a cockroach. And the fungus that grows on mountain lion scat doesn't grow on, you know, chicken scat. And the fungus that grows on the roots of an oak tree doesn't grow on the roots of an orange tree. So in this specificity, Ophiocordyceps unilateralis has evolved to live on, on these ants. And so it's a very specific relationship in mm. which um, the fungus basically makes the ant do what it needs to be able to reproduce in a more effective way. So it modifies the behavior for the ant to go up a tree or up a plant and then bites into what's called like a death grip or a death bite, bites onto that leaf or a twig and 
And there is where the fungus continues to feed off of the ant and then reproduces um, sexually by producing these long stroma that come out of the head of the ant, or in a lot of cases in other parts of the body of, of an insect. But mm. it's a, it's a, a, a co-evolution that has evolved to ensure that the fungus can live and reproduce. Hmm. So interesting. So I have a, a clarification on cordyceps because I feel like cordyceps I often see listed on a variety of things. You know, maybe it's an ingredient in some sort of tea or supplement. Is this the same cordyceps or is cordyceps kind of an all-encompassing term that's used? No, it's hilarious. I'm enjoying watching people freak out about cordyceps while they drink their cordyceps tea that was really expensive, probably. <laughs> you know. yeah. So cordyceps and ophiocordyceps are genera, so they're names, of a group of entomopathogenic fungi. And names change as well. So many of what we today call ophiocordyceps were once called cordyceps. Mm. And what we're seeing listed in functional mushroom supplements and in you know coffees and teas and medicine is a species cordyceps militaris which is farmed in different parts of the world cultivated mm -hmm. and then made into these supplements and this all comes from one of the most important medicinal mushrooms in the world medicinal fungi in the world which is called ophiocordyceps sinensis which is like the viagra mm -hmm. of the himalaya they call it but it's huh. basically a fungus that grows in the plateaus of the Himalaya that infects the larva of a ghost moth. And it's one of the most expensive fungi in the world. It's mm. extremely important in traditional medicine. It's a symbol of status, and it's very much sought after. So much that there are even assassinations on those plateaus between people trying to get first to those mushrooms, those fungi. They're wow. not really mushroom-shaped. This is an ancient medicine that's being cultivated and commercialized in modern times. Hmm. Um, and that is a relative of Ophiocordyceps unilateralis. So it's the same group. And the beauty of the discussion that's happening now is that while people are watching and freaking out about a possible in, you know, inoculation with these, we can finally start talking about the complexities of the fungi. You know, yep. fungi are organisms that form a kingdom of their own. It's not one thing. They're not one species. They're not one group. And they're complex. Yeah, I feel like this is really opening up the conversation, which is must be for a mycologist like yourself must be kind of fun. <laughs> well, the fungal awakening that's happening is has been deliberate from a group of us that have been working for the fungi for over two decades or more. Mm. And Fantastic Fungi is just one show where many of us have, you know, even a minute in it, whatever, we've, we've been part of it or written chapters in the books. And we've been doing this for a very, very long time. The Last of Us actually is welcome in, in what I mentioned before. And, and finally, let's talk about the complexities. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. With this series, there's a lot of conversation of, could a fungus actually infect us? What would have to happen with Ophiocordyceps unilateralis for it to actually infect a person? There's no way Ophiocordyceps unilateralis could infect a person. We live with hundreds of species of fungi on our bodies. There are studies that show that we have up to 200 species on each foot. And I would ask how many have had a yeast infection. Yeasts are fungi. 
you know? And the answer is probably less people than those who have had head lice. So I think, you know, we need to also take the conversation out of the trend of stigmatizing fungi. We have more animal parasites or bacterial parasites than we do fungal parasites. Opiocordyceps unilateralis would have to evolve into different species over millions of years to be able to have a parasitic um, relationship with a mammal like us. All right. So I want to talk a little bit about underground fungus communication. This is a big part of The Last of Us, where these fungus zombies are communicating over long distances. Is that a real thing that fungi do? Some fungi are so large that they cover huge distances. They're mycelium. And so that's one organism. And yes, there's communication. Entomopathogenic fungi like Ophiocordyceps do not form those networks. Mm. And that's totally fictional. They don't do that. Where that's, you know, taken from and fictionalized is from the notion of what we were calling the wood wide web, which is like this underground network of species that could connect one tree to the other. And basically the notion that these fungi would sustain the plants. We now know that it's not that simple, that it's a lot more complex, mm. that there are huge communities of organisms involved in that. But what we do know as well is that there are some plants that don't have the ability to photosynthesize and depend 100% on fungi giving nutrients. So there's a lot of complexity and it's the complexity that comes with such a large group as a kingdom. So we would never, we don't ever think about animals reproducing in one way or, or behaving in one single way because we appreciate that they're very different. Just so that, you know, listeners can have an idea. An oyster mushroom and a morel are as related as an ant and a whale. Wow, that's amazing. Right? The ants and whales are both animals. They're related. They're kingdom animalia. And oyster mushrooms and morels are both fungi, but they are not closely related within the kingdom. So wrapping your head around that is the first step in acknowledging the complexities and acknowledging what fungi are. There are unicellular fungi like yeast and multicellular fungi like molds, you know. And so so it's a lot, it's a lot more complex and it's so fascinating. I would definitely recommend everybody read Entangled Life by Merlin Sheldrake. He does just a beautiful job of showing us those complexities. Hmm. I'll have to check that out. I think I just have just a couple more questions about The Last of Us. <laughs> so in in the show the outbreak is thought to start with fungi contamination in a flour mill. So if there were an actual fungal outbreak where people were getting sick from a fungus, does flour make sense as a disease vector or no? No, it doesn't. But where that comes from is um, from ergot and from ergotism on rye, right? There's a fungus from which LSD was synthesized. That is a parasite of rye and of, of grain, of some grains. So this infected grain would be made flour and then bread made from it, and entire villages would be poisoned, right, with ergotism. And ergotism was responsible for a lot of upheaval in, in medieval times and in older times with mass hallucinations and mass intoxications. So really the program is mixing some fungal facts, making them very fictionalized, putting them all together in a mix 
But, but fungal fact is way cooler than fungal fiction. And so <laughs> I, I invite people to understand more about fungal fact. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess I'll just close out by asking, is there anything else that you want to say about it? Anything else that as a mycologist you think this series or this game has done well or anything that you want to point out that you haven't yet that is just way too far-fetched for you? Mm. I just think, you know, for, for a mycologist, our responsibility is that the series doesn't transform into what Jaws was for sharks that created mass fear. It's our responsibility as mycologists to talk about The Last of Us in a way in which to, you know, educate the public about these organisms and not continue to stigmatize them as they have been unfairly for so long. Yeah. I welcome that this game and series has opened up the conversation about talking mycological language. And I think we all have a responsibility to adopt mycologically inclusive language to start recognizing that macroscopic life on Earth is not just fauna and flora, it's fauna, flora, and fungi. Thank you, Juliana. This was great. Like you said, you know, The Last of Us, it's its fiction, right? And yeah. so they're, they're pulling from some things that are real, but kind of smashing them together in ways that would never happen. And so it's nice to kind of understand what is real, what is not real, and have a cool conversation about fungi. Thanks so much for tuning in to this bonus episode of Tiny Matters. And many thanks to Juliana Furci for being our guest today. If you have feedback, episode suggestions, other things I'm not thinking of right now, shoot us an email at tinymatters at acs.org. And we'll see you next time.